The Guardian. Hello, I'm Matt Wells. This is Media Talk. Coming up, plagiarism, journalism, or sleight of hand. The row over the independent star columnist Johan Hari and his self-proclaimed error of judgment. Also in the podcast, to no one's great surprise, Jeremy Hunt gives the green light to news corporations' takeover of B-Sky-B. Plus, Murdoch sells MySpace for a song, and a mere half a billion dollars less than he paid for it. Oh, how the heart bleeds. And... At the moment, she has 12 pints of milk a day and two buckets of water, but when she's fully grown... She'll have 50 gallons a day, and I wouldn't like to be the one who has to give her all that. Oh, we're not with a slight penny down here. Slight problem. Uh... Blue Peter waves goodbye to London after 53 years. We discuss that and the rest of the week's TV news. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. Oh, we have an excellent lineup uh, on the pod this week. Uh, look who's here. It's only the director of the Toe Town. <laughs> As in Cal. Tao Centre of Digital Journalism at Columbia University. Hello. We've, we've, it's Emily Bell, of course. Um, <laughs> we've, we've blown the budget, haven't we, by flying you in specially? Uh, well, yes, I'm, I'm delighted to hear that you have. I'll be submitting <laughs> my, my easy jet ticket to you. Excellent. Uh, we also have Helen Zaltzman, who's the other half of the uh, Sony award-winning Answer Me This podcast. As yes, we, I am. We established that we had to legally, we are legally bound to call it. Uh, how are you, how are you, Helen? Nice oh, to see I'm you. Oh, I'm tremendous. Thank you for having me, Matt. Excellent. You're, you're very welcome. Um, uh, anyway, if you're, uh, if you're listening at home and you think there's not enough estrogen in the studio, don't worry, Vicky Frost will be joining us later. But now on with the show. Uh, first, a storm in a Twitter cup or a serious breach of journalistic ethics? In many ways, opinion on Johan Hari's particular way with words divided along partisan lines. The independent columnist and polemicist admitted adding quotes to interview write-ups from multiple sources, not just the interviewee's encounter with him. Might have been something the interviewee had written elsewhere or told to another journalist. The Orwell Prize-winning writer, who's been with the independent for 10 years, failed to attribute these quotes. In Inevitably, Twitter went mad, Harry went into hiding, and the Indies editor Simon Kellner went on to Steve Hewlett's media show on Radio 4 to defend his protégé. What Johan did was wrong. He accepts that, and we believe that, and he deeply regrets it. But it was born from an honest ambition, really, to give the clearest possible picture of what someone was saying. Often an interviewee didn't speak English, and in almost 10 years of working for The Independent, not one of his interviewees has complained about being misrepresented or misquoted. So, as I say, it was wrong, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's a great scandal. It's a naive error which we, you know, which we recognise. But every piece that Johan has written is picked apart by his enemies and he's liable to a much greater level of scrutiny than a lot of columnists and a lot of people doing the same work that he does. Simon Kellner uh, defending Johan Harry on uh, Radio 4's media show. A naive error, says, uh, says the editor. Emily, do you think it was a naive error? Or, I mean, is, is it more well, serious so than that? It was an error. And uh, lots of people said about Johan, well, the thing was he came into journalism very young. He rose very far, very fast. He did not um, take a course at an excellent postgraduate school of journalism. Yes. Um, and so, uh, you know, you could add to that naive. I think when you get into your 30s and you have a lot of, you know, you, you, are, you are clearly intelligent, mm. as Johan Hari is. Um, I don't think it's that naive. I think it's just a bit lazy. He said, uh, yeah, he said that he was trying to be intellectually accurate rather than reportorially accurate. If he wants to be intellectually accurate, then he should come and work at a university. <laughs> if you want to be reportorially accurate, that's when you're a journalist. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I don't think that 
it's acceptable to say, well, these people said these things, they just didn't say them to me. You know, increasingly now journalism and the value of journalism, and th- you know, this is the irritating thing because actually, you know, journalism has to make a case for itself. So I've become very pompous <laughs> in the <laughs> States. But journalism has to make a case for itself and you have to be able to say where you're adding value. Sitting and writing out something that somebody said in a book is not adding value. Putting context around it, so in other words, you know, pulling those quotes out saying where they came from is perfectly acceptable. Mm. Pretending it's part of your own work is just wrong. And the, the other thing, Helen, is, of course, which is, um, which is another aspect of journalism these days, is that you can get called out so quickly and easily, can't, can't you? And people yeah. find out. Well, it's fairly easy, isn't it, to Google a distinctive phrase. Uh, my mother's a teacher and that's what she has to do all the time to see if people have copied episodes off the internet. But I don't think this is the worst crime committed in the name of journalism ever, because people all the time are just deliberately misquoting their sources or mm. deliberately recontextualising things that they've said. So is this worse than that? Well, it's not. It's not. Now, this is the argument though, that a lot of people who rush to defend him on Twitter, particularly, interestingly, Emily, a lot of people of the left, um, said, it, you know, uh, it's not phone hacking. It's not a criminal offence. It's not a criminal offence, um, but it's not very good journalism. And I think that if you're a journalist, you should be able to say, on the one hand, we like him. We think that a lot of what he says is, is, as a columnist is, is interesting and good. Um, but as a journalistic practice, this is quite, this, it's sort of quite poor. You know, the problem for him now is that he's sort of, you know, he, I've seen some of his post-justification for it. And I just felt like saying, put down the shovel and yes. stop digging. This is, this is his, <laughs> because it was such a, this is the, 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 the apology that, that, that I mentioned. It sort of, it was very much, a, you know, I'm sorry if you were offended, wasn't it? It's that ter- terrible mealy-mouthed apology. Oh, the best kind of apology. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry if you're upset that I cheated on my wife. I mean, you know, Helen's right. It's not the worst thing in the world. He has not invaded people's privacy. He hasn't actually said things that they haven't necessarily said. Yeah, um, I was being interviewed by someone. I'd love it if they made me seem more intelligent and coherent. <laughs> well, there is, a, there is a point at which... The, Nobody has come back and said this. But, but the, the point is, you know, however subtle, it's still a dishonest use of source material in one way or another. It's either padding an interview, making it seem better. And particularly and, one or two of the interviews were quite – a lot of them were made up of these card quotes. It wasn't just one odd – you know, it's not the odd one. You could say, OK, fine. Well, you know. the, the odd one – and everybody makes mistakes when they're a journalist. And when you're younger, you make mis- many more mistakes mm. than you do as, as, you, as you learn and you get caught out. Um, and as you say, it, but it wasn't a one-off incident. And I think it's good to have actually – uh, you know, a, a, a reasonably sort of public high octane debate about it because some people say, well, it's a navel gazing, nobody really cares about this. Yeah. But actually, as I say, you know, the value of journalism and, you know, one of the great things that journalists can still do and that, you know, in the digital realm, what journalists should be doing is actually using the access that they have and talking to people in person. Mm. And, you know, it kind of devalues that. And it also makes me think that everything else he writes now, I'm going to feel well, slightly this, differently This is the about. other thing about it, in that, in that he had been called out by Private Eye before on yeah. sort of, you know, minor thing, not, nothing really mega serious. There was but, something quite embarrassing, wasn't there, around the Iraq war in 2003? Yes, and then he, he, he said he'd been in, in Iran but it sounded, he made it sound as if he'd been there on assignment, but actually he was there on an archaeology holiday. And he said he was there for four weeks when he was there for two weeks. You know, there was a lot of, just lots of little things. And I, if, I, if I was his editor, and that, you know, and, and, and that, I, I'd seen a page, a whole page, because it was a hack watch in Pri- Private Eye. And if that had been one of my, I don't know, Media Guardian, uh, you know, 
columnists, for example, can't think who you know. I can't think of who it might have been. But you know, if there was a whole page by Emily Bell, and you know, I'd be worried about Emily Bell. I might sit her down and say, "What's all this about?" You know, and do, do, do we think we need to talk about it? And the, Harold Rains, who was the editor of the New York Times before Bill Keller had to resign over uh, Jason, uh, over Jason Blair, Blair who mm. was, um, if you like, a kind of a it was like a Johann Harry on, on steroids incident where fabrication just got completely out of hand. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that this is necessarily the same, sure. but it should be, you know. If, as you say, if you're an editor, you need to take it pretty seriously yeah. and say. This and this is the, I mean, what I mean is this is this is the second time. I mean, it's it's not the first time, Helen. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. And yeah. Well, I don't think his career is going to be ruined over it. But whatever he does, it's going to be very heavily scrutinised more than other journalists. And the, the, the other thing about him is that he's a bit of, he's a divisive figure, isn't he? People, he's a bit of a hate figure of the, of, of, of the you know because he's so he's such a polemicist. Yeah. Well, this is why Twitter, I think, has really gone for him. I, I know that usually they go for people like Jan Moyer, but in this case, they would think he's one of us. He's done a bad thing. Let's yeah, get it. Brother didn't. No, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that they really went for him. I mean, the uh, the, 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 the in, very personally the, though. The, the interviews by Hari were actually quite yes, funny. That was quite funny. That was quite it? funny. Yeah. Which was a whole hashtag series of yeah. people um, putting things that other people had said into the context of a Johan Hari interview. Yeah. Um, our own, your own head of um, communities, Meg Pickard, had a great one, which was, "I think we're alone now." Said Tiffany. <laughs> there, there, there doesn't. She told me there doesn't seem to be anyone around looking around her, and it's kind of it's sort of funny. And, and there, yeah. was, there were there were dozens of these, and it's funny. And it, it, you know, Simon Kellner said, uh, "He who lives by Twitter dies by Twitter," which is sort of a, a slight, I think, kind of reference to the fact that Johan Hari actually is a sort of pretty prolific and pretty good user of Twitter. Mm. I think actually he was his his kind of his network um, on 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 that platform defended him pretty well. You know, they, yeah. they, 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 he had, he actually had much more sympathy than if he had been a less sympathetic character. You you kind of wanted him. You know, I, I, I like him. I like his journalistic persona. So you didn't really I, you didn't really want to give him a kicking. But it was such a kind of it's quite an arrogant thing to do yes, as well. Certainly. Yeah, and and he has, he has there's a touch of the arrogance uh, uh, about about him. It has to be said. A quick word on the indie. Is it is it damaging for the indie? Do you think? Mm, maybe a well, bit. If newspapers have no budget, you can understand that fact checking would uh, go out the window. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, it's not it's not massively damaging for the indie. It it dents it takes a bit of a shine off one of their one of their yeah. key columnists. I think. All right. Okay. We'll leave that there. Thank you very much. Uh, let us know what you think by heading to the blog slash media talk Okay, it's time to look at a few of the other stories making the media headlines this week. Let's start with a bit of breaking news. We need a whoosh, don't we? Breaking news whoosh. After four months of mulling over the inevitable, Culture Secretary Jeremy Hunt has given his approval to news corporations takeover of B Sky B. Who'd have thunk it, eh? Oh, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> I can't believe it's happened. It's incredible. But, you know, I'm presuming Jeremy, Jeremy Hunt can now devote most of his time to finding his backbone. That's right, he can, yes. So basically, Sky News is going to be spun off from Sky. It's going to be made an independent listed company. Uh, there's going to be another consultation. Can I just say, what yeah. a complete, what a, <laughs> I just cannot believe it's spun off to be an independent news provider. Oh, it's, I, it leaves me speechless. Well, I've never seen anyone so angry. What's the matter? <laughs> Let it all out, Emily. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's exasperation. It's actually, it's more kind of, you know, disappointment. In that, you know, oh. I just why, why bother? Just, it's, it's just all, say, it's, just have it. Just go. Oh, right. Just go. Just have it. It's all right because there's going to be a you know a trustee, a, monitor, a monitoring trustee on the board of uh, Sky News to. <laughs> it's it's going to be a child of Murdoch. Insurance journalistic, uh, 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 yes, um, in, uh, independence. It was, but it, it was all you know. I did, there was no, never any way that they weren't going to do it. Though, were. Well, this is what I mean, which is why not just do it? Why yeah. not just go? It's fine. Take it and suck it up. That's it, 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 this whole kind of farce 
um, and making it look as though you have independent news and there's a multi-platform multi- it's ridiculous the fact that they're letting him take over the rest of B Sky B um, so he now owns uh, uh, the biggest uh, 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 pay TV business in Britain which has all the sports and f- film rights sewn up he has uh, the biggest selling mm. newspapers it's mm. you know that's a it's two party state now it's the BBC and Sky and yeah. it was always going to be that way really and 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 you kind of you know you look at sort of things like ITV and Channel 4 sort of tiny 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 by comparison mm. um more news from the Murdoch Empire. MySpace. He sold MySpace to an online ad company for thirty-five million dollars. Well, he needed the money for the. Uh... <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> yes. what he did, didn't he? On, on the bright side, yeah. <laughs> he sold it to Justin Timberlake. He did sell it. Yes, to, this is, is that the, weird? Yeah. What's Justin Timberlake got to do with all of this? Is, uh, he's, he's on the sort of. He's one of the investors, isn't he? he? Yeah. yeah. He, he thinks he's Sean Parker. That's the oh, thing, isn't it? He's going to be the acceptable hairy face of MySpace. But <laughs> the thing is, I mean, this is just probably pocket change for Justin Timberlake if he's got a financial stake in it as well. But he seems quite arrogant, is that fair to say? So I wouldn't imagine that he'd want to saddle himself with a failed social network. So maybe it'll just be I, the Justin Timberlake I, space or something. Yeah. I think he, I think him and Aaron Sorkin are going to run it. I think that it's like method acting taken to the, the, the loony sort of extension. <laughs> so extent. He, they, they bought it. Um, uh, Murdoch bought it for um, well, just under $600 million in 2005. Yeah, good so, one. <laughs> yeah, right. It was valued at $12 billion in 2007. I know. Uh, Can I just say that actually if you go back in the annals of time, how many people said this is a really terrible purchase at the time? I'd just like to, just like to say there were Lots yes. of people, not necessarily me, no, but lots of people say it. Everyone said it at the time. Well, Everybody said it. It was still quite hot as well. It was at the time, it was quite hot. But they said as soon as he lays a kind of a, 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 a glove on MySpace, it will the innovation will wither. Yeah, the young kids don't want to be friends with Murdoch. They don't want MySpace. to be. Well, they don't, and they just don't want. They don't, the, the, the founders pocketed the money. No incentive. They're all on Google Plus now, aren't they? They're all Google Plus. Have you got, I've got <laughs> Are any of them Google Plus, Matthew? <laughs> I don't know. I've got Google Plus. Have you got Google Plus? Early yeah. What is it? What, what, what is it? It allows you to. It, it's. It, I've spent all morning trying to decide who my real friends are. <laughs> oh, really? Right. It's really difficult. Do you have to? <laughs> I'm afraid when you've over invested in your work like I have, you have that, that terrible moment when you think, do I put them as a friend? Or a colleague. <laughs> Gosh, this is brutal. Oh, you, oh, you, you have to categorise them. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. Well, it in, gives circles. You a, it can, in circles. In circles. It's like a little, play group. Right. Yes. Yes. And it's like, how, how would you categorise this person? And you put, put them into sort of like the seven rings of hell. Friendship Are you sort of you're moving so, uh, people between something? You can, oh, yeah, you can, you can just think. Yeah. I, t- I always thought of her as a friend. Yeah. But <laughs> now I know that there's a category, a subcategory I colleague. can put her in. Colleague. Over there. It's quite, it's, it's, it's um, you know, I'm making no judgment about it until people have used it. Also, also, you, you, um, you have to set your gender, um, apparently, um, don't you? And there's, there's, there's several different options. You don't ha- actually, you can say, you don't have to specify a gender. Is that why? Well, it's male, female, or. Other yes, that's right. So you don't have <laughs> cool. to. It would be it would be actually in America you get into severe trouble making people specify male or female. Yeah, transgender big thing. Uh, okay, thank you very much. Uh, we'll leave that all there. There's more on all these stories over on MediaGuardian.co.uk. Excitingly, we've got. Uh, I think for the first time ever, we have three women in the studio, which is uh, which I think is a is a, a breakthrough, um, and it's almost like an episode of Sex and the City uh, because uh, Guardian.co.uk's TV and radio editor Vicky Frost is here. How are you, Vicky? Hi, I want, I'm wondering which ones of Sex and the City we all are. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, 
Yes, answer the I'd blog. Like, I'd like to be Miranda, please. Right, okay, yes, you Is can that be Miranda. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do either of you want to be Miranda? I, I think we probably all want to be Miranda. We, we'll all have to sit a quiz in Cosmo or something yes, to decide. Yes, you could all be Miranda, that's fine. Uh, let's get stuck into the reviews. Um, uh, Jack D's Lead Balloon had a rather splendid cameo from R- Robbie Coltrane. It was week. amazing, wasn't it? Because it's not been a very good series. Oh, it's but. been terrible. It's been really boring. And then Robbie Coltrane came along and just totally stole, stole, stole the scene, I thought. Mm. And fair dues to Jack D who obviously let him do it. I mean, there was no way that Robbie Coltrane wasn't going to steal the show completely in that situation. But it did make me think that, gosh, we need more Robbie Coltrane on TV. We haven't had much Robbie Coltrane on TV for years. No. Uh, Yeah, I think there might have been reasons for this, but but, but it would be nice to see him back. Yeah, too busy doing, like, big movies and things. Probably, Presumably. But yes, it was charming, I thought, and really cheered up what has been a very... Flat series of Leopard. I never really. I, mean, th- I thought the first series was all, was all right, but this one hasn't been very good. Uh, uh, the Apprentice has picked up in recent weeks, and there was an excellent biscuit episode last night. I am told because oh, I haven't great. seen it yet. Oh, haven't you? No. Oh, yes, it was great. The biscuit episode, and it has been a bit rubbish. It's been a bit boring, and I sort of thought, oh, pet food. We've had pet food, and now we're going to have biscuits. I mean, they're essentially the same thing. Obviously, they're not the same thing, but they are essentially the same thing. But it, it was much better, and. Melody. Broadly the same ingredients. Well, yes, largely. <laughs> about the same amount of skill from the contestants. <laughs> um, yes, uh, and, and Melody, uh, well, Alan Sugar seems to be just loving her more and more. The, yeah. Basically, the more horrible she gets, the more he likes it. Yes. Which I think says something bad about Alan Sugar in general. Lord Sugar to you, of course. Of um, course. Uh, uh, Shameless USA has started on More 4. Now, you hated uh, Shameless. You I hate can't me. bear yes. Shameless. So I'm, not, I'm assuming that you really do it much like this one. I haven't watched this. I just there's there's slightly no point when you hate something quite so much. I better I turn to Emily Bell then because because presumably you, you've seen all all the episodes of Shameless USA. I have actually uh, by bizarre coincidence and not a super injunction in sight. No, uh, uh, any good? <laughs> I think it is very good actually. I think that they've done a. a I think Paul Abbott's done a, a pretty great job. Uh, like Vicky, I very much went off Shameless as, as it became a kind of a cameo and a yeah. prestige. The first series is actually very autobiographical. It's very very close to Paul Abbott's sort of own own life, or you know, when he was talking about the series when he first did it, and I thought it was really good. I, I disagree with Vicky on that, uh, and I really was so sceptical that Americans could do it because, you know, they're actually quite sincere and they don't have much of a sense of humour mm. about certain things. Um, but it's brilliantly done. Um, uh, William H Macy is terrific as Frank Gallagher. He's got a great ensemble cast around it, and it's incredibly well shot. It's actually better shot than the um, are they the better UK looking? Version. They are slightly better looking. Yeah. Yes, in the Ameri- their teeth are better. Yeah, obviously, um, <laughs> but, but as in I'm, you know, as I'm, in shameless as in life. Actually, my, well, my, my, my dental appointment is next week. Um, uh, let's do some quick TV news. Uh, so is is Pippa Middleton going to, on to be the new series of Strictly? Come dancing. Well, I, I very much doubt it, no. but it was a great piece of uh, news placement, I think, for everyone <laughs> to think, oh, maybe she will be on Strictly. And who knows, maybe she will be on Strictly. It would be ratings. I mean, I can't imagine what the ratings would do, frankly, if the BBC managed to get her to do There's Strictly. No come way, Helen, no is there? Way. No, if they can't even get Sarah Ferguson on, they can't get Pippa Middleton yeah. on. So, yeah, to do something quite classy, isn't it? But Sarah Ferguson is sort of, like, properly royal, isn't she? Whereas Pippa Middleton really isn't. She's not properly royal now. She's all, like, divorced and not at all royal. <laughs> and, she's, and she's a spokesmodel for Weight Watchers. <laughs> no, she has, yes, she's got princesses got as daughters, well. hasn't she? She has princesses as daughters. But then, but then, <laughs> but then, then Pippa Middleton has a princess as a sister. Yeah, yeah and she's got, true. you know, she's only 27, is it? She's probably got plans that don't involve Strictly for the next few years. Yeah. I really wouldn't bet on it. Royal. She doesn't seem to be doing anything at all is apart from going to Wimbledon. So 
is this sort of, is this sort of, come, is this sort of come back from America for? <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> it's about my level, <laughs> yes. About, yeah. um, <laughs> let's do Blue Peter. They've uh, recorded their final show in London and because uh, they're moving to Salford at the start of the next series after 53 years uh, in London. Uh, what are they doing with the garden, Vicky? Are they burying the pets in it? What I meant was, <laughs> the, the, are they moving. disinterring the pets and reburying them? In, <laughs> they're not taking the no. pets to Salford. Okay. I, I was concerned about that too, but I did find out. I do sort of laugh about the way this is like, oh, we're moving to the north. Like it's the North Pole rather than <laughs> two hours in a train out of London. Ridiculous, frankly. Who's your uh, favourite presenter? John Noakes. Simon, I quite like Simon I'm, so, I'm sorry, I think they should have left it in London. I'm from the north as well. <laughs> I do, it's no place. It's no place for children's TV <laughs> in the north of England. They don't have fairy it's, liquid bottles there. They don't, exactly. And it's, they don't have the right sorts of accents to patronise you properly. <laughs> and, um, uh, and I was... It's, it's historic. D- London, W8... Uh, no, no, it's something QT. QT. It's W12. W12. AQT. Thank you. It's part of our lives. 018118055. I know. Salford Keys. Something, something. It's <laughs> yes. not the same. It was it's like, it's glamorous. Why I'm here is because Blue Peter was in London. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shall we do a pre- quick preview uh, of a few shows that are coming up? Uh, it's the final episode of a Rubicon on BBC4, and I know you've been a big fan of the Little Watch drama. Yes, me and, yeah. and two other people have been watching Rubicon on BBC4, and it finally comes to its conclusion. And it has been a shame that so few people have watched it because it is terribly flawed in lots of ways, but it's also very ambitious in lots of other ways. And it's a thriller that makes sense, which is, you know, frankly, a small miracle nowadays. And it's it looks lovely and it's all very retro and nice performances, etc. So it has been a joy and mm. it's like quite a ni- it might be quite a nice box set watch perhaps, if Christmas. you didn't catch it on BBC4. Uh, um, uh, Damien Luce is back on the BBC in a new drama in which she appears to play a cape maker. Are you sure it's not The Apprentice? <laughs> it's uh, stolen, not stolen. Uh, what, 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 does, what, <laughs> what does he play? Sorry, I can't. <laughs> stolen, not stolen. Yeah. Um, um, I don't really know. It's, 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 <laughs> I'm sorry, I haven't had time to watch it, but I do... Love Damien Lewis, so yeah. I'm going to be going watching to watch it. it. Well, but it's we're quite we're... worthy, I think. It's not like a funny thing about cakes. No, 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 I don't think it's funny. <laughs> There's nothing funny about I cakes. I don't think it's about cakes at all. Uh, anyway, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, thank you very much for the... Re- uh, it was merely an excuse to get that joke in, wasn't it? There, there was no other... Uh, no, no, nothing else of worth in that little section. Thank you very much. Uh, fabulous. Uh, it's time to draw things to a close, I'm afraid. Uh, not before time. As uh, we always do before we go, um, I want to find out something that you've learned from your last seven days trudging around the media village. What, what have you learned in the last week, Helen? I've learnt that the Pope has an iPad. And this yeah. seems to me unfair, because he's got God, he's got all the cardinals, he's got the golden Vatican. I don't have an iPad or any cardinals. And he's on Twitter. Yeah, well, he's, that's how people know he's got the iPad, because he started tweeting from iPad. About the iPad? Yeah, well, from the iPad. Oh, I see. So it's from my iPad. <laughs> my <laughs> celestial iPad. <laughs> I love that. I just thought it was just from his brain straight to the, you know, from the, the, via God. He's got a special <laughs> iPad dock in his chasuble. Uh, yes. Delivered by angels. Uh, 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 Vicky, what nuggets can you bring us? Um, if you want to start a controversy about Torchwood dates... You yes. can do it via the power of the internet, I found out this week. Yes. We have managed to make Hollywood Reporter, I think, twice this week really? via our blog about whether you should be outraged or not about Torchwood. I think we, we talked about this last week, didn't we? And, 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 and I, think, I think we've decided not to be outraged. Have you decided? I can't remember what you've decided. 
Uh, um, <laughs> I've decided, for everyone, no, I haven't at all. Um, I think people are split yeah. as to whether it's outrageous or not. Okay. Uh, and uh, well, I've learned about the sad demise of the, of the Oxford comma, but I think it would take too long to sort of explain. But what's your position on the Oxford comma, Emily? Sadly... It is gone. It is gone. Forever. As I say, I'm replacing it with a Columbia semicolon. Excellent. That's what I'm doing. Um, lovely. Now, Emily, Emily, we're going to do something different with you because uh, there's not going to be a show next week. So um, why don't you tell us uh, about what you think you'll learn in the next seven days? Um, uh, will the UK launch of Huffington Post be a game changer? Oh, um, will it be a game changer? Uh, no, but I kind of think it'll be quite good. I think it's going to be quite exciting. There's not much has happened in London that's at all exciting. It's all the same. In, I was going to say, in, in the internet media since I left, yeah. if, I, if I don't mind saying so myself, <laughs> I come back and it all seems exactly the same and it's, everything's where I left it and yeah. uh, that's fine. So actually, you know, the, 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 the um, two things will happen, one of which is they will either get it very, very right and it will give everybody a bit of a scare, yes. which is, you know, not you, Matt, you'll be in New no, York. No, no, I don't care. With, you don't care. Yeah. Or it will be the beginning of a sort of an unravelling of the whole uh, Huffington franchise, sort of since it was bought by the AOL, you know, the, well, once you start to expand. So I don't know. I think so it'll, it'll be, be, I'm, I'm thrilled. What you're saying is either it'll be a success or it'll be a failure. I'm saying, so I just, <laughs> yes, I'm that. saying it will either be a success or a failure, but that will be quite interesting. Either of those, I think, is better than what we have at the moment. So you don't think it might just be all right? Will Cheryl Cole move back in with Ashley? Will, will Cheryl Cole? I can't believe I'm being asked this. I'm an <laughs> Ivy League professor. Will Cheryl, Cole, will Cheryl Cole move back in with Ashley? Yes. Okay. I think that they're both, um, their earnings most must be suffering. They are the Burton and Taylor de Nojour. <laughs> they are indeed. I, but we were, uh, just, I've just remembered talking about um, um, having to post it. I learned this week that Ariana Huffington used to be a presenter on, on BBC Pebble Mill. Did you know this? She I used didn't. To, I she, did know that. I did not know this. She used to present. She was a presenter on a, something live from the mill or something like that. Yes. I never watched. M- more, yes, the, the lunchtime show. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's really interesting. Um, uh, thank you very much to uh, Vicky Frost, Helen Zaltzman, and uh, Emily Bell. Thanks for thanks for, for coming all this all this way just for us. It was a pleasure. And as I just said, there's no uh, show next week, so why don't you all just listen to Trevor Dan's Radio Talk podcast instead? Uh, I'm Matt Wells. Media Talk is produced by Ben Green. Bye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.